0: I like that. How long can the sermon be when the scripture is only four words? (laughs) You dare not guess, right? Yeah. Drew, great job with that singing. Great song selection. I like the energy. That was very well done. And that first one I'd never heard before, and I like it. That needs to be sung again. Uh, remember right after, Bill are you here? Okay, okay, I, I missed him earlier, but Bill Berry, again his birthday was yesterday, we're gonna sing a rousing chorus of Happy Birthday, and we're gonna sing 93 Candles on the Wall, uh, and just kind of number it down to one, and, and then have, have a little stuff, and I, I'm telling you, if you haven't tried Raisin Pie, now's your chance, and you can say, I'll always remember that Bill Berry's the reason I ate this nasty stuff one time, that's what you'll do. But anyway, so just, just stay afterwards. You don't have to stay long. If you just stay and try a piece of that pie and then go, that's fine. But we just want him to know we appreciate, you know, you, you like your, your oldest member who's, who kind of represents good, long, faithful life to be a, a, a person that we uh, appreciate um, in these occasions. So just if you can stay for just a little bit, it would be great. So, Jimmy Stewart, as you know, his, his actual name, I guess, in the, uh, is George Bailey, right? He is standing, um, like, right at the rail of the bridge, looking down over the raging cold river, and he's trying to muster the courage to toss himself over. Uh, he's going to kill himself, he's going to take his own life, and, and what's motivated it, do you remember in the movie, what is it caused? What's caused him to want to do this? Yeah, there was. it's basically he's thinking, after he's added up all the bills that are now facing him, not necessarily his fault, but the bills facing him, he's worth more dead than alive. And he's sitting there going, if I'm worth more dead than alive, I might as well take my own life and then my family can you know, get out of this financial trouble or whatever. And so you see, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting dilemma because he's right. And in fact, I can tell you because of the life insurance I have, I'm worth more dead alive than alive, right? So let this go down. Write this on YouTube. If anything happens to me in the next few weeks or the next few years, look at the wife. That's why I, because, you know, uh, beneficiary and all that stuff. Uh, you, you, people look at this and you wonder uh, the value of your life. But the rules that we live by and the, the, how we make our decisions need to flow out of our values and maybe values for a lot of people are out of kilter enough to where if financially they are worth more dead than alive they should kill themselves right in their mind but the values behind our rules need to set the standard for the decisions that we make rules are not arbitrary, they're not random, they're not meaningless and that would if it were, it would lead to this exasperation. God says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't make them wonder what you really want from them. Don't make them wonder what your values are. Rules should be clear, and rules should be based on those values. So when it comes to the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, we look back at the first five, and we wonder, what's the significance of these? But it's interesting. God kind of established a pattern already. His image is to be protected. God wants His image, which is also ours, to be highly valued. And so He says, don't make any graven images because they're inaccurate. Don't make graven images. I don't want you to... And and don't don't verbally misrepresent me either, so don't take my name in vain. And I want you to to honor the rhythm of life I've set up, six days of work and a day of Sabbath. And then the next one is, Honor your father and your mother. They're the first ones to affirm your image of God value. Then we come to number six. You shall not murder another person. The most important thing to understand about this is you and fellow human beings bear the image of God in them, and he wants to protect that. And you only protect that by protecting fellow life. There is a relationship a direct relationship between how you view God and how you view people. If you respect God and value His image in the world, you will respect people. If you don't respect God, you won't respect people, and it goes vice versa as well. So in the fifth commandment, God commanded, um, sixth commandment, God commands much more than meets the eye. Uh, In the King James, it might say, thou shalt not kill but that's not really what the meaning is, given the context he puts the commandment in. I want to give you this exception. We, we know these exceptions. We know when you uh, study English, there are rules, and then there are exceptions to every rule, which makes English a nightmare to learn. But here's one. I before E, except after C, or when sounded as A, as in neighbor and way. We learned this kind of uh, rhyme to help us Uh, pronounce words and spell words, I before E, except after C, except these occasions, right? And the exceptions help to highlight the rules. They don't cancel out the rules. They highlight how a majority of the cases they are. Here's the truth. Most of the time, human beings should not take another human being's life. But there are exceptions, and these exceptions help us to define the rule better. These exceptions are given right in the context of the Ten Commandments. Notice Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. Here's the first one. I hope it's on the screen. Whatever it means not to kill, it does not, uh, it does not keep us from being able to practice capital punishment. Now, you can have your own personal value of this, and you can understand that in America, the way we practice this may not be fair and just. That's where I stand in this. The way America does it, this is kind of a problematic issue. But just by concept of principle, capital punishment was commanded by God for his people. And he did not, conce- he did not conceive of that as being a negation of killing. Whatever murder means, capital punishment doesn't fit it. So you look right in, this is Exodus chapter 20 that we're looking at, verse 13. But if you look over at one chapter over, chapter 21, verse 12, you're going to notice right off whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. If you intentionally come after a person and you take his life, your life should be taken. Now, the Big Ten given in chapter 20 says, don't kill. Or don't murder. Chapter 21, when he's kind of giving all the context of the Ten Commandments, he says, But if somebody kills another person, his life needs to be taken. And this isn't the only one. There are so many capital offenses in Israel. Notice a person who makes a child sacrifice, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 2. Any Israelite, any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children, God considers. A sacrifice of children to be murdered. His life should be taken. If you accidentally kill somebody, but you don't make it to the city of refuge and your the next of kin kills you, it's not murder, it's considered justice. If you let an ox, in case it's a bull, you know your bull is violent, you know it can get out of hand and hurt people, but you don't put proper restraint on it and that bull kills a neighbor. Not only does the bull die, but the person dies. Gee. Jonesboro's got something going on, pit bulls kind of on it, right? Bearing false witness on a capital charge, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 18. If you are, if you are lying under oath, and, it's, and this is a case that will lead to somebody's death, and it's proven that you lied, you get what they were going to get, capital punishment. If you kidnap a person, Exodus chapter 21, verse 16, you steal a person and you're found with that person, alive or dead, your life is to be taken. You rebel or curse your parents, Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. That's a good one when you keep on the mirror of your room, of your house, right? All forms of sexual immorality, incest, rape, adultery, homosexuality and bestiality, all of those. Caught doing one of those, discovered doing one of those, your life is to be taken. Witchcraft and magic, Exodus chapter 22. Idolatry, Exodus chapter 22. Blasphemy, Leviticus chapter 24. False claims to be a prophet, Deuteronomy chapter 13. And breaking the Sabbath, Exodus chapter 31. All of these, despite the fact that the Big Ten says you shall not kill, if anybody engages in those, their life is to be taken. Now pause right here and go, how does that make sense? Doesn't it make sense that if somebody takes the life of a person, taking their life is the same crime? That's what I'm hearing from people who oppose capital punishment. To take a person's life, even though they took another person's life, is making the same criminal offense. You're doing the same thing. These are the same people who say that if you ever spank your kids, isn't that an act of violence that's going to cause them to do violence? Well, that seems to make logical sense to human beings, but I want to take you to Genesis chapter 9. This is right after the flood, and uh, they have now disembarked from the ark, and he's given the rainbow promise. This is before any covenants are made, as far as the old covenant, new covenant. Now this is a covenant with all of humanity. Genesis 9 is a universal law of God. It's not Old Testament, New Testament. It's just universal. It's humanity. He says, whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their their blood be shed. This is God's will. Now, here's the interesting thing. God already knows that if he gives human beings the responsibility to something, it's going to be done imperfectly. He already knows this. But he says, it's your job. I'm not going to enforce it, but you guys need to do this. If someone sheds a blood of a human being, kills a human being, other human beings need to take their life. Because, it's a purpose, because, for this reason, because in the image of God, he made people. So a lot of people are saying, because he made us in the image of God, you can't take a life even if they took a life. But in God's words, he says, because you're made in the image of God, when you take another person's life, life, your life should be taken. It's the only proper penalty for the highest crime you can commit. Weird, isn't it? The same argument people like to use today to say you shouldn't is the argument God gave to say that you should. So choose. Human reasoning or God's? What are you going to stand with? That doesn't mean that we in America should be practicing this necessarily. The way we've done it, our history of our country has not been just particularly uh, good with doing this, but in principle, capital punishment does not violate the the, the, the Sixth Commandment. It does not violate God's commandment not to murder. Whatever it means not to kill, here's the second exception. It doesn't mean that you can't protect the life of your family. Our Kansans are going to love this one, Um, especially if you're one of those who conceal and carry. In Exodus chapter 22, verse 2, if a thief is caught breaking in at night and is struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. Whatever that is, it is not breaking the sixth commandment. Now, it's interesting, he says, at night, I'm thinking that you can't see his intent to harm you, you can't see what he's doing, and so he threatens you, and, and because of that you defend yourself or defend your family and that person dies. It is so interesting to me that an ancient society like Israelites recognized the distinction and all these particular distinctions, but if somebody's coming in your house and you're defending your family, you're protecting the, the God image in your own kids and you take that guy's life, that's not Murder. Whatever that is, it's not murder. And whatever else that commandment means, thou shalt not murder, it it does not include war. God many times told his people who were built on the foundation of not taking human life, you go and you fight that war and you kill every living thing in that village. The same God who gave them the law not to kill tells them to go and take life in the name of war. I'm I'm going to say this too. Uh, Obviously, this is the Old Testament we're talking about. I'm I'm almost a pacifist. I'm almost a pacifist when it comes to war, not that it matters what I am or what I think. I, I probably think the just war theory is probably right. If you can have calm enough, reasonable minds who can make a decision on justice or not. That's a very difficult thing. Uh, but it's it's hard to believe one fallen nation without a word from God can attack another foreign nation and do some killing unless it has to do with protecting human life, not oil. Human life, yes. I'm not so sure that oil is what he's talking about. So what is God commanding then in the, in the image of murder? When he comes and says, you shall not kill, what does he mean? He means, I want you to protect the image of me in every single human being you meet. Do not mar, do not distort, and do not destroy the image I put in my people. And that's all people, not just Christians. That's anybody who has the breath of life in them has this image of God in them, and we need to protect it. Honor and protect that, value life, unless... Unless that person has or is in the process of threatening that same image in somebody else, at that point you can take that person's life in order to protect, again, the value of human life. I want to go to the other side of this, though. he, He includes all these exceptions to help us understand the rule. But since this time, there have been other things that would be included as murder. Abortion is murder. It's taking the life of another human being, not for justice, not for a threat to the human image. Now, automatically, people want to jump in with an exception that's an emotional thing to cause us to not take a strong stance and say, what about the life of the mother? If a rare, rare, rare case where the life of the baby threatens the life of the mother, you've got to make a choice, and no one should criticize whatever choice you make. It's just a weird catch-22 with no good answer. Short of a circumstance like that, no one should threaten the life and the development of an unborn child, and if they do, it is murder. It is the killing of a human being that's unjust. It's interesting to me how in the political, and people are going to say, now you're getting political. Now hold it just a minute. I promise you, I believe preachers need to deal with things of God and not get into politics. I also think politicians should stick with politics and not get into religion. They're getting into my territory. I'm not getting into theirs when I talk about abortion, right? I am not talking politics. I'm talking right and wrong and morality as as spoken to us from the one who created us and gives us the image of God. So when politicians start on this, Christians and preachers have a responsibility to preach on this all the time. And I'm going to tell you the most powerful thing I've ever seen, and and it's weird because I'm I'm not a Trump fan, but when he gets up there and says, all children born and unborn are made in the holy image of God, there is a weird kind of static in the air. He is absolutely, as crude as he is, saying one of the most powerful, religiously accurate truths in the history of man. It's an amazing, weird thing in the State of the Union. That's the only only time I'll ever make reference to the State of the Union, but I'm going to tell you, it was eerie. I'm sitting there going, he's speaking truth. This weird fella is speaking truth. And where are the applauses? There was some but it should be universal because it's true. And that same group of people who want to go and say don't be racist to these people want to come over here and say but you can kill these people and I want to tell you something the only reason not to be racist is the same reason you can't take a human life out of the womb. The same basis for both of them and you cannot come to different positions. There's a reason you can't be racist. It's because every human being, no matter what color or language they speak, is made in the image of God and deserves respect and dignity from every other person who recognizes that image. That's why you can't be racist. But for that very same reason, for the very same reason, you can't take this life out of the womb. You're going to be consistent with this, be consistent with it. If you're not, shut up and quit complaining about those who are trying to. It's the same thing. You either accept the image of God as being assigned by God and being protected by people across the board, or you drop it altogether. The same issue. Euthanasia is another one of these. I've seen older people suffer a great deal, and I I know the diagnosis they've got, that they're not going to recover. They think they're a burden to people. But there's very few cases anymore, as a hospice volunteer, I've seen this for years and years, there's very few cases where they can't take care of the pain for you. We do not ever have a right to exert something externally that leads to the early death of someone. I don't care what the reason for their dying is. We can't be in the place of God. That's not our role. We are the creation, not the creator. The creator decides the day of your birth. The creator knows the day of your death. And what we do is we do not have to go to heroic measures to keep you alive. You do not have to go to all these great lengths to keep yourself alive. No, but you cannot... You cannot take something or have something be prescribed for you that will lead to your early death unnaturally. Euthanasia is not right. No one has a right to decide when you die except God alone. Three, suicide. It is self-murder. You're inflicting something upon yourself that leads to your early death. That's against the will of God in the sixth commandment. And that's against an offense against the image of God that he put in you. Of course, none of this is new. Jesus comes along and he, he takes this command to its fullest extent. God wasn't just about these issues like this. He wasn't just about these, these matters of when life begins and when it's going to end. That's not all he's thinking about. He's thinking about affirming in each other, being a group of people that we say... I have the image of God in me, you have the image of God in you, and I'm going to treat you in a way that recognizes that and reinforces that in your mind. I'm not going to disrespect you, I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to put you down, I'm not going to degrade you. I'm not going to do anything that causes you to question whether you're made in the image of God or not. The way I treat you is going to be with the fullest extent of dignity and respect that I can. I'm going to build up that awareness in you, and while I'm building that that awareness in you, I'm reinforcing it in me. Jesus says it's not just about whether you take their life or not. It's whether you give life with your words. It's whether you respect that life and reinforce it and build it up and edify it in the minds of people and in yourself. It goes a long way. So here's the trajectory of this. First of all, God created human beings and put himself into us. And that automatically makes us incredibly precious. Everything the Bible says about the worth and dignity of human life is grounded in the creation story. It all goes back to there. In James chapter 3, when he's talking about the words, how can you praise God with the same lips that curse man who've been made in God's likeness? Even how you talk to each other is grounded in the creation story. We do not need to give up the creation story now. We live in a time where everybody's debating about whether it really is true, whether it really matters or not, or whether evolution is true. This is not a time for the church to start playing around with whether Genesis 1 and 2 is true or not. Genesis 1 and 2 is true. It is how we came to be, and it instills in us every bit of value. And if we compromise on this chapter, we will compromise on the very bedrock of who we are as people. We will lead to our own demise if we give up Genesis 1 and 2. In church, we don't need to do that. Pound the pulpit as often as you can. We keep Genesis 1 and 2. It is the most important of all of Scripture, it seems to me. Setting the basis of who God is and who you are and who you're not. Genesis 1 and 2. Created by God for the intent of living our lives bearing His image. He appointed for man once to die... Wants to live, wants to die, and after that, face judgment. Secondly, God sets up laws to protect it. God, first of all, put it in us. It's his idea. It's his way. And then he puts laws like, thou shalt not kill. He puts these laws into effect to protect it. He wants to make sure that there's nobody who comes along who thinks we can just randomly decide a certain race of people or a certain kind of strength of people or age of people needs to die. No one can choose that. God just put this law and says you can't kill. And then God intended for us, thirdly, to contribute positively into the lives of other people, making them know that they are God's image. And then finally... He leaves it up to human society, but he wants human society to protect this value of his. He wants society to be built upon the sanctity of human life. And if you want to see, you see these cultures, you, see, you hear it on the news, where human life is of such low value. They'll go around, they'll kill each other randomly, and nobody seems to care much. It doesn't seem to matter much. There's no justice. There's no trying to hunt down the perpetrators. They're just, it's just their life. Cultures in the world have been destroying this truth for a long time, and there are peoples who live without the respect of human life in their culture. Right now, America still has it. But we better be awful careful. We can take a few steps that would cause us to start thinking that there are some people who don't have it. I cannot pick and choose, and nor can you, the people who have value and the people who don't. We are not in that spot. God created all people in the same way, and we are to enforce it in everybody. We don't get that option, and society better not start. God never intended that. Stuart was on that bridge, looking down, trying to decide, and he was making a financial decision. But your life is not a financial decision. The values that guide your life, and whether it's worth living or not, are not financial decisions. It's about truth. It's about who you really are. And God spoke to this thousands of years ago. And in fact, he said, let this be the first thing I tell you. Genesis 1 and 2. Let this be the first thing I tell you. You are made in my image and you have value. And don't you let anybody cause you to question that. And don't you treat somebody like they don't. And so when he's standing on that bridge, ultimately, I don't know if this is what he thought. You know, everything's got resolved and all that. But when you're standing on that bridge, I want you to remember this. I don't care what financially is going on or emotionally is going on. Here is the truth you are made in God's image your life is precious you reflect your Creator and nothing needs to distort that except when he decides you take your last breath and walk away from the bridge that's the right answer God was so serious about us he put his image on us there's no stamp that could say you're more important than that, if he cared enough to do that, we dare not change it, alter it, or lessen it in our own minds or anybody else's. May God help us to share this perspective of ourselves and this belief about all of humanity. And may God never let us get to a point where this is left behind. It would be an awful existence. Thou shalt not kill. Thou has been made in the image of God. Now live like it. If for whatever reason you stand in need of repentance or conversion this night, this is available as every time we're together it is. At any time, and even when we're not together, it's available. But if you want to give your life over to the Lord and make a spiritual beginning, a spiritual birth, not just a physical one, this evening is a great time to do it, to come and say the name of Christ and to confess your sin and be immersed, be ushered into a whole new life existence with Him as Lord. That's available as we stand and as we sing.